Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up the world, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Gain new knowledge, get a fresh new start. Day Network will bring you there. So let's talk about it when life and on the air. Good morning, everyone. This is Book Talk with Fran Lewis, and it's beautiful outside, but we're going to talk to the author of In the Shadow of the Bull. I'm going to give you a brief summary, but I'm not going to give you the whole thing because you definitely have to read this. The setting is ancient Crete, 1450 B.C., in a world of goddess worship, sacred snakes, sacrifice, human jealousy, resentments, and betrayals still run wild. Hmm. When her sister Argy drops to the floor in convulsions and then dies at her wedding, 15-year-old Morris, a young poet and bull leaper in training, considers it murder. And that's all I'm going to tell you. There are a whole lot of suspects, and this is a great book. So good morning, Eleanor. How are you? Welcome good to morning, the Network. Good morning, Fran. So, good morning. And let me get the questions in front of me before they fall. Okay. How would you define this time period and explain the uh, the so-called Meotian uh, civilization? Meotian this civilization, is the, how we're... This is the, the Bronze Age. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's pretty early. Obviously, the date 1450 uh, before Christ is pretty, uh, pretty far back. And uh, so it is a, a fairly primitive society in a way. But it's also this this particular society was very advanced. One of the things that's so striking is they had running water and uh, they mm-hmm. had toilets inside their house houses and it took many hundreds of years for that to come around again so uh but they were they the way i see them because a lot of things are not known about this civilization is that they were uh a still an agrarian society still farming Mm. and all of that and unlike a lot of the civilizations that came after it they worshiped a goddess so in my opinion that meant Women had uh, a lot of clout and a lot of power, and uh, so I have a high priestess in the book, and uh, they were not uh, warriors, and it was not patriarchal. It was matrilineal. So the uh, inheritance went through the women. Well, good for them. I'll Mm -hmm. tell you that. Mm -hmm. Definitely good for them. That's what I really loved about it, and... Well, the, the queen princess didn't back down, but I love Mortis better, seriously. Mm-hmm. She, she's, she's my favorite. So why did they worship a goddess? And tell us about the first scene and about Mortis. That must have been horrible when she saw her sister fall on the floor and die. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they, the theory is that they worshipped a goddess, that all the really ancient civilization was worshipped a goddess because fertility was everything. They needed mm. to have fertile fields, otherwise they could starve to death. They needed to have fertile animals. Same reason. And, of course, they used mm. the animals for clothing and all of that. And they all had wanted to be fertile and have children. So they worshipped a goddess. It was not a, a male god who, because that is more mm. of a warlike god, right? Mm-hmm. And. So the thing with, with Mardis is this is a very cultured, very advanced civilization. And her sister, Arges, uh, Suter, comes from mainland Greece, and he's a barbarian. And uh, so nobody wants Arge to marry him. They know that mm. he will take her away back to mainland Greece, away from them. So Mardis prays to the goddess to stop the wedding. And so then when Arge drops dead at the altar, Martis thinks it's her fault. Well, that would make sense, too. Mm-hmm. But we're going to find out other things. Now, this part, love because my sister used to love to do this because I couldn't do it. Why did she do acrobatics, and what was her goal and why? 
Well, the acrobatics, ha- uh, they think we're probably uh, invented if it, as you were if you were in uh, ancient Egypt. And the goal Martis has in life is to be a bull leaper or a bull dancer. And what that is, is they ran at a charging bull, not a tame animal, not a trained animal, but a charging bull, grabbed the horns and flipped over the back and then jumped down. So oh you had to you had to be strong, you had to be fast, you had to be supple, and you had to learn acrobatics so that you could actually do these things. So that's uh and that's the part with the acrobatics and the bull leaping, yeah. that is true. I know I read up on it, by the way. You oh, know, you, you know did. I you do did my some research. research. Yes. Oh, I. You know what? I did research. I won't tell you about whose book the other day, and the guy had a fit. And all really? I did was write. Yeah, it was a, it was somebody who, who was dead, and I wanted to know who was behind it, who ran this thing that happened and that created such stir and such a riot. And I just wrote, this person's dead, blah, blah, blah. And it was run by this particular organization, and he had a fit. And you know what? I didn't care. I just deleted <laughs> the review. I just said, you know what? That's what made it more credible. So now let's get to the real person, Opus. Why does she have to listen to her? And you can't, you don't, well, you don't want to have her around you. Why does she have to listen to her? From the start, you can't bond with this one. Well, my my theory of Opus is she's the oldest girl, uh, and she was what we would consider a party girl now. She and her friends were the ones, the influencer, if you will. They were the ones who were the most fashionable, the most made up, and mm. she thought that if anyone should be interested in her, it would be someone, you know, sorry. But Opus was already married. One of the theories uh, of the inheritance in Crete is that um, since it's matrilineal, that uh, the eldest daughter would marry her uncle, and mm. he would run run the farm, run the villa, you know, and all of that, but his only claim to it would be through her. So Opus was already married. So she was going back to this villa, and where she hated because she wasn't in the city mm. anymore. She was married to a much older man, which so she, in my opinion, she's kind of bitter and unhappy because she yeah. was forced into doing this against her will. I, I couldn't understand that. In our tradition, my grandfather tried to um, hook me up with the rabbi's son. And that wouldn't have been so bad because he's gorgeous and stuff, but I felt that I wasn't religious enough for him. Mm-hmm. So I was able to graciously say, "I'll let it up, let him up to, left it up to him," <laughs> and uh-huh. he would have gone along with it. But I didn't think it was, that's not me. So why did why did they worry um, about Poseidon? And tell us about the goddess. Well, uh, the the theory is that the the goddess, because she was a force for fertility, mm-hmm. growth, life. She was the one that was worshipped. Poseidon was uh, another god, but he was, as he was in the classical Greece, he was the god of the sea and of earthquakes. And Crete is right in the middle of the Mediterranean, and it's a very active area for earthquakes, volcanoes, just like the Ring of Fire out in the Pacific. So they were, they, you know, they feel the earth shaking a lot. They so they try to placate Poseidon with offerings and all of that. So uh, he is, even though this is before classical Greece, this god is already there. This god is already present. Well, this is a strange question. Seriously, there's Poseidon, there's Zeus, there's Aristotle, there's all of them. How do they know they really existed, these goddesses? I mean, they actually believed in them. How did they know they really existed, though? Well, I think, you know, that's kind of a philosophical question. I think uh, people (laughs) have always always had to, uh, always wanted to know how things worked and why things worked the way they did. Mm. And if you don't understand some of the things behind why are there earthquakes, why is there a volcano, why do I have bad luck, Mm. I think that you 
you have a being, a supreme being that you can pray to, and this gives you some control over things that you mm-hmm. have no control over. And it's interesting you bring in some of those gods because classical Greece, which at the time of of this this book was still a very primitive uh, country with a lot of feudal states, these gods. This, and, this is uh, yeah. So, uh, whoops. I, I taught a very brilliant sixth grade the second year I taught. I got rewarded because <laughs> uh-huh. they said in the first year she survived. They ask these questions, by the way. <laughs> oh, they, they do. They want to know all of this. Yeah, they, I had to look it up. I had to be... I had to be the smartest person in the whole universe that year because these kids had reading levels of 12 and above. That's how smart oh, they were. Oh, my goodness. We, yes, and I, I won the battle, no problem. But it took a <laughs> while to... to yeah. And they're still in touch with me, actually. And, it's, yeah, it's amazing. So You define, made a difference. I guess it is because they're all doctors, lawyers, um, educators like me. So mm-hmm. I must have done something right. And one of them mm-hmm. said the other day, um, he says, you know, Mrs. Lewis, if it was not for you, I would be in Rikers. Thank God that mm. I listened to you. Yeah, he My runs goodness. a thing called, uh, it's on Facebook, um, Team Spartan Spades, Michael Taylor. It's amazing what he's done for kids that are of all races and to teach them how to exercise and stay in school. So I encourage him constantly. <laughs> mm-hmm. So... Tell us about the goddess, and what is the definition of litter according to this? Well, the goddess, uh, if you look at all the artifacts, the archaeological artifacts, mm. most of them, even the seals or the uh, mm. small items, have uh, a very large female figure and a smaller mm. male figure. Uh, so there was a supreme goddess who was overall. But, you know, there were other lesser gods and lesser goddesses, but there was one supreme goddess overall. And that's that's the one that this uh, culture mainly worshipped was this goddess. And, um, you know, they had a lot of things attached to it. Like if you go to Nassos, they've done, they've put together some rep- reproductions mm. of what they call the horns of consecration, which I talk about in the book, which mm. are... Um, symbolic representations of a bull's horn because the bull was very 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 important in this culture and uh but they had other things like the birds were sacred to the goddess and uh pillars were sacred to the goddess so they mm. had a, a lot of things and they some of the mountains in crete were sacred to the goddess and people made pilgrimage to, pilgrimages to those uh mountains mm. That's amazing, the superstitions and the beliefs. Yep. And the litter, uh, of course, they didn't have cars, and they didn't have horses then. Horses came out of the steppes. And Crete is an island, uh, and they they were very good seamen, and they had uh, very good ships, very good navy. But a lot of the other countries did not. So I mention in the book that... Uh, there was a horse brought to Crete. It was the only one, and nobody really knew what to do with it. So they didn't mm. have anything really uh, to to ride. So what they had was a litter, which was like a um, stretcher almost, carried on the shoulders of four men, and then you could you could get in the litter and be carried all over the place, you know, as though it was a, a car almost, except it was people providing the power. That would be cool, though. That would be different. Really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'd want to be handle a course of water or something, but better than getting wet or drowning, whatever. So yeah. we have shade. Why did shade relate to her sister? And define Wanax. Well, um, when Arge dies, one of the beliefs of this time, and it was all through the Mediterranean, was that if a girl died before she got married, had children, and she was not buried with the proper rites, her shade, her spirit, or they called it a willy, would come back and haunt the family. 
And oh, God. Yes, that was one of the things. So they were all very, very, very careful about their burial rites and saying the proper the proper um, uh, spells and all of that to keep the the dead person from coming back and haunting the family. But Arge comes back to Martis and helps her solve her own murder. And I try to make it so Martis believes that it's the shade of her sister. Uh, mm. But, it, you know, it could also be her subconscious who is helping her along, answering questions and putting it into the form of her sister to make it, you know, more palatable. And Wannix is sort of like uh, means the supreme administrator. Usually the high priestess's consort, which was a man, would take over the running of the the city, and he would make sure, you know, that all the, mm. the roads were fixed, uh, that uh, anybody who was a criminal would get dealt with. He was the supreme law, uh, the supreme judge, if you will, and uh, the supreme administrator of all the, the little details that you need to keep a city running. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. I think everybody could use a shade, seriously, yeah. to speak yeah. to them. <laughs> yeah. So we have the we have the murder right and stuff like that. So why does Marta mix in and ask her about who might have seen something and who goes when she talks to the high priestess? They weren't too happy about that. Uh, no. Um, for one thing, she's a young girl. She's 15 going on 16, and one of the questions I keep getting asked is why is she so young? Don't forget, mm -hmm. lifespan of these people was about 40. Now, there are yeah, people who lived, who lived to be older. I mean, they found a grave with a man who was 63, but a lot of people died a lot younger than, than we would think. So for somebody who is 15 or 16 is actually almost old enough to get married and start their own family. Mm -hmm. So she's almost an adult. Um, so uh, nobody wants to listen to her because she's, you know, who is she? She's not anybody famous. She's uh, not, she hasn't even gone through her, in, her agoji, which is kind of an, an initiation into adulthood. So she hasn't done any of that. And then she says, well, my sister came to me and told me. So people are skeptical. That, that, that could happen, though. Yeah. Sometimes you get up from a dream and you wonder, my sister died in July of 2010 for whatever circumstances we still haven't figured out. And um, at times I look at the clouds when they turn pink and I go, would you like to tell me what happened? You, you mm -hmm. often wonder something. Mm -hmm. So we have... A couple of more characters here. We have Tinos, and who is Tinos, and why do we know that she was not playing fair? Well, Tinos is the consort to the high priestess, and one of the again one of the uh, mm -hmm. theories is that every nine years, because the nine was sacred to this mm -hmm. uh, culture, the the Wanex or the consort had to be reestablished. So he had to go through a number of trials to keep his position. Tinos is a famous bull dancer and in my mind mm. the bull the bull leapers are like the rock stars of today, right? They're mm -hmm. the, the famous, they're the ones that everybody emulates, they're the ones, you know, that's why Martis wants to be one herself in a way, because these are mm -hmm. the the top, you know. So when uh, the high priestess's previous consort has gotten older and ill, and he can't he can't jump the bull anymore. He can't go up against Tinos, so he dies, and Tinos is chosen to be the the high consort. And of course, he is not even twenty yet. And he's, you know, young and handsome and all of that. So he he starts to play a pretty big part in Martis's inner life. What I liked about it was it was about young people. Mm -hmm. And, well, Tessa's book yesterday was about older people, which made me happy. But when they're about young people, it doesn't bother me because actually it's nice to see that they're smart and that they know how to think. 
Mm-hmm. And most people today think teenagers are airheads and have no thought. And sometimes I begin to wonder if that's not true. You wonder yeah. sometimes. <laughs> but, but of we course, have, um, even in that in that time, if you read the yeah. the Iliad, Achilles yeah. and all of those heroes, they were in their their twenties. Some of them were not even yeah. twenty yet. Some of them were only nineteen. So the whole year, world was shifted to a younger younger age. Well, that is good. I started teaching when I was eighteen, so that makes sense. Most people yep. were twenty two. Well, my, I sort of graduated college real fast. <laughs> so what is her relationship with Taurus? And what 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 about Taurus is to get, you get like a funny feeling? Well, he, he obviously a barbarian. And yeah. one of the things that the very refined Cretans or Minoans don't like about him is when he comes to the wedding to R, she has... You know, he's wearing leather armor, and he has carrying his weapons, which is probably the the most valuable thing he owns at that point. So he's he's a real barbarian. And Martis doesn't like him at all. She doesn't like mm. that he's a barbarian. She doesn't like that he's threatening to take her sister away. And she doesn't like the fact that every his her mother and all of her sisters like Saurus. It makes her suspicious of him. So when he's mm. accused of Arge's murder, she's she's on on board at first. Well, why does Mortis? I love this girl. Let me tell you. Why does Mortis figure out? And then Naval. Why does she think that she is the one that has to solve the murder? I I really love that because you know she didn't give up, and she could have gotten mm. killed. She could have gotten a lot worse if she yep. didn't if she didn't watch where she was going. So why did Mortis feel that she had to? find out who killed her sister. Well, you remember I said in the beginning that she made a prayer to the goddess that the marriage would not go forward. So she blamed herself for Arja's death. And when Arja's shade came to her, Martis made a vow that she would investigate Arja's death and find out who really killed her. Because Arja said, Saurus didn't do it. He loved me. He would never do this. Somebody else killed me. So Martis vows, and she knows mm-hmm. that if she breaks a vow, the goddess is very harsh on people who make who break their vows. So she is determined that she's going to do this and, and follow it through to the end, no matter how many people try to talk her out of it. I really didn't like Opus at all. And then she made sure that they sent Martis away. Why did they do that, and what happens when she does get sent away? They're going to be kind of surprised. Yes. Well, of course, uh, Martis' mother is very worried about Martis. Martis Mm -hmm. has always been headstrong and and kind of defiant. I mean, she has defied her mother about bull dancing, and she sneaks out of the house to go to acrobatics and to uh, go to the – uh, her classes on uh, bull leaping. So she's already disobeying her mother. And now her mother thinks, well, now she's hunting for a murderer, and the murderers mm-hmm. are very dangerous. I mean, Saurus and his friend carry weapons mm-hmm. everywhere. Like, I could lose another daughter. So she sends Martis to the villa who uh, that, that actually Opus owns, and um, her husband, Pilus, runs. But when Martis goes there, she sees an old bull, and she gets the idea that maybe she could practice her bull leaping on this old bull. Mm-hmm. And there is someone who knew her grandfather who works on that farm, and he helps her do exactly that. So Martis gets to jump a live bull. And she never would have had a chance to do that this early if she hadn't been sent to the villa. Sometimes something bad turns out to be something good, and I love the guy that did it. He yeah. was really cool. And he keeps her out of trouble to a point. So then yes. she decides to do something kind of dangerous. She goes to the caves, and Saurus, how does Saurus respond? And then you talk about the spring ceremony. Yeah. Well, she goes to the caves uh, because Arj is so sure that, Saurus didn't kill her, that uh, when they cap- when Saurus and his friend Kabia are killed, are, are captured, 
and put in the the pens, the bull pens in the cave, mm. Marta decides, well, maybe I better go actually talk to these guys and find out what's mm. going on. So she goes down to the cave to talk to them. And, of course, uh, people are there, you know, bad-mouthing them and everything because they're considered to be murderers. And both Saurus and Kabya say, we didn't do it. We didn't do it. Help us escape. But Martis, Martis won't do that. She won't won't help them escape. She's she's hesitant to help them uh, escape. But um, she listens to them and she starts thinking, maybe they didn't do this. And if so, who would have done it? Who would have killed Arj? That you know that uh, hated Arj. She really can't think of anyone. But she starts thinking, maybe Saurus isn't guilty. Well, the fact that she did that is very brave, too, mm-hmm. especially when you read the end of the book. So yes. this this bothers me. I read, This is the second book in two days that I've read. The last one is uh, when I read yesterday um, is sacrificing children and stuff like that in ba- ba- ancient Babylon and what happens when you know, people come there. So why do they sacrifice lambs and bulls? And I hate when they hurt animals. Well, of course, Martis doesn't like it either. But no good. Back back in those those days, you have to realize that blood has power. That's what mm. they think. And even now, why do you think the vampire legends are so strong? And yeah. for them, blood has power. So they are sending. They're doing. It's kind of uh, twofold. One is they're sacrificing a big strong animal so the strength goes to the god the goddess and the blood goes to the goddess and the the uh because it has power it gives the goddess power martis doesn't like it she feels sorry for the animals and of course and i think this is probably what would happen she is getting used to jumping the bull and the bull is like an enemy combatant in a way, and she respects the bull. So she doesn't want to see the bulls sacrificed either. Um, so they mostly did animal sacrifice. Uh, there are some theories that they also did people, but no, that hasn't been confirmed. But um, the whole thing of, of sacrifice comes down to blood has power. And what you're doing is trying to give strength to the gods so that they will come back and give you a good harvest next year so people will eat fertility, so you'll have a lot of animals, and you'll have a good life. The fear was if you didn't, didn't do this, the animals would be mm-hmm. angry, the goddess, gods would be angry, and you'd have famine and death. So you were trying to prevent that. A lot of yeah, a lot of people still believe in that, I guess too. A lot of superstition. Yes, I think so. Yep, I think I think so. And if you think about it, if you have a go to the Christian communion, what does the priest say when he's handing you a wafer and a sip of wine? This is my body. This is my blood. Mm. That is well. That to me is a holdover from this this previous time. This is unbelievable. A lot of people are writing about that, too. It makes it really interesting to learn. So mm-hmm. we have her mother. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. mother goes to the high priestess about Soros, and they assume that he's guilty. But why does the mother go to the seer? The mother uh, is trying to get, um, of course, they, they use seers uh, a lot then, and they had various seers who would look at the bird, flight of the birds and say, yes, this is a good date for the wedding. Or uh, some seers would open up a, 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 sh- a sheep and look at the organs and say, yes, this is a good day for the wedding by examining the organs. And this, this continued on uh, for many, many years after, after, this, uh, after Crete. This was uh, one of the things they did in classical Greece, too, is they had somebody who tried to foretell the future. So mm. uh, her mother, Nefeli, she goes to the seer to try to get a good date for the wedding uh, so that nothing bad will happen. And how did that work out? Not well. So, 
but uh, that was the thing then. You looked at, uh, you went to a theater to get a, a good day, to get married, to get buried, you know, to have so that you could try to stack the deck as much as you could to have a good life. I guess most people wouldn't want to have find out when they're going to die. They might want to figure out how long I could stick around without That's having right. to worry about it. Yeah. Yep. So who is Nua and what did she do? Cause Nua. I wasn't crazy about her about her either. <laughs> Nua is Martis's younger sister, mm. and one of the theories of this culture is that if your one of your parents was a slave, which is of both Martis's and Nuis's father, and Telemon's father, too, is Baeus, and he is a slave. He was captured in uh, war. If the child of that union between a free person and a slave is born, like at the villa, they're slaves. If they're born in Nassos, mm. they're free. Well, Nuya was born at the villa, so she's a slave. Martis was born in Nassos, so she's free. So Nuya is quite envious of the fact that Martis mm. is free. She gets to go to the initiation, the agoji, and live in the dorm, and she'll get a good marriage if that's what she wants. She has all the perks of being free. So Nuya uh, wants to be uh, wants to be something. She doesn't want to be a slave her whole life, and you can't really blame her for that. So she, after Martis mentions that Saurus has come to her and asked her to free her, free him in Kabya, Nuya goes to the caves and frees and frees Saurus. That was kind and of dangerous. Sails, yep, and then she sails away with him because because even if Martis thinks, well, maybe he didn't do it, nobody really knows for yeah. sure. He could be a murderer too. He could still be the murderer. So then uh, they take the ship. And they sail away with Nuya on it. Well, that's how she knows that her sister's things are missing. And that's just even scarier. So before I forget, because I don't want to forget, sometimes it's good enough. <laughs> Next uh-huh. Thursday, Minister Sam Oliver will be on, and we're going to be talking about digital banking, banking systems, and electronic banking, and hospice. That's just part of it. I'm doing more research. On the 4th, we have the author of Beth Took a Holiday. Um, On the 10th, we have award-winning author Marilyn Levinson, Overdue or Die. And we have a whole lot more for the the rest of the month. It should be interesting. But at the end of the month, we have New York Times author Gary Braver, Rumor of Evil. They're absolutely fantastic. I'm so excited. And the author of uh, Second Term is going to be also also New York Times. So there's a whole lot coming on next month, people. You don't want to miss it, and you want to read all these books. So what happens when Martis and Nua meet? Why does she think that she's a slave? And why so many restrictions? Well, you know, as I explained, because Nuya happened to be uh, born in the wrong area. That's why she's a yeah. slave. So she uh, she actually is put into a position where she's, you know, taking care of the family, where Martis, who is her full sister, and Telemon, her full brother, get to live the life of, um, well, they're not aristocracy, but they are like high middle class, as much of a middle class as they had then. Mm. And uh, I knew you ha- actually has a speech where she talks about, you know, all the things that Martis can do that Nuya herself can't do, and that she mm-hmm. wants her own home, her own family, you know, her own life. She doesn't want to spend her whole life taking care of her, her family. And who can blame her? I don't blame her. I don't blame her either. And yet at times there's always one that gets stuck doing everything, and the That's other right. one is just... Yeah, just sort of scared. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And in this family, it's New Year. Yeah, I can understand that too. So this was exciting. How did you learn about the Bull Leaders team? And why was uh, she expected Maris to be a weaver? Oh, God. Well, her, her, the thing is that um, I've been to Nassos and Crete, and one of the other places we went was a place, uh, a town called Akrotiri, which they're just excavating. Mm. Uh, right about this time, 
a nearby island now called Santorini blew up. It was a volcano, and ash went as far away as Turkey. And, uh, of course, it really almost destroyed the civilization. And they are now excavating Akrotiri. That's how they learned about the, the toilets and what kind of life they had. And one of the things they found were weights, the kind of weights you use to hold the strings of a loom down uh, and so you can weave. So weaving throughout history has been one of the most popular jobs because without weavers, you had no clothes. Mm. And it was not really until the Industrial Revolution where it became mechanized. And that is pretty recent. So we, there have always, in every society, been weavers of some form. So weaver. So the, here's a, a woman who's running her own weaving business. She sells her her blankets and her things, and mm. she wants Martis to take over the the uh, the business in effect. And this is not Martis. This is not who she is, and she has no interest at all in becoming a weaver. I'm with her. Couldn't do it either. Definitely. But parents back then chose your direction, right? And she had no choice. My direction was chosen by my aunt when I was younger. She said you will be an educator and a reading specialist, and I guess I listened. I mean, Mm -hmm. you don't know. I had no choice, but it's okay. But they they had no choice. Whatever they told you how to do, you had to do it, right? Well, mostly. But, of course, the way Mm. I've set up a Martis is – she is going to fight that with every bone in her body because she doesn't really want to do it. Mm. And that's part of why she's uh became a bull leaper because she wants to do something special. And uh she doesn't she finds weaving very very boring. And um you know, Opus says to her, "Look, you nobody else can do it. I'm married at the villa. Arj is now dead. There's no one else. You're the last last hope so you have to be the one to take the business and martis really does not want to do this Mm. so who is baeus b-a-i-s and what's his relationship with titus and portino goes on trial i feel so bad well um baeus is the father of martis um nuya and and telemon and Tetis is real is Martis's friend, really, in a way. She mm. is a, a prostitute who works on the works on the docks. And when Martis goes, when they're looking, they're waiting for Nuya to come home. They're waiting for the Cretan army, the navy, I mean, to find the ship and bring her home. Mm. They go to the docks all the time, and Martis says, "Tetis, she seems to know my father." And my and then Baeus says, no, I, I've never met Tetis. I don't know her at all. But then mm-hmm. now Martis is wondering, is he telling her the truth? So then she starts, of course, to do some more investigation into her father. And that we're not going to reveal. Can't nope. do that. Nope. nope. So Tina was on trial, and why do we get a feeling that? Um, well, I'm going to leave this question now because I don't want anybody to know the question. Why was Tina on trial, and why the, the confrontation with Tita, Tedis? Um, well, Tinos is is not exactly on trial, but he yeah. The trial is they had a number of uh, a place markers in in your life. And all of the young men had to go through a trial. I'm, I'm thinking of about 18, where you went alone into the woods with a rope and you mm. had to capture a bull. So he passed that, and now he has to go through another trial to secure his position as the, as the uh, consort to the high priestess. So he has to go and jump the bull. He has to do bull leaping himself. And, of course, he hasn't done it for a while. He's not a bull leaper anymore. He is now a Wannix. He's an administrator. So, um, of course, Martis uh, feels that she absolutely has to be the member of the team that goes in and kind of softens the bull up before Tinos jumps the bull 
because she, in her her mind, feels that if she's not there, he won't succeed. And that's what he has to do it because he's been uh, the consort for nine years, and now he has to kind of re-up in a sense. And that's the trial is the way he does it. Well, if you people want to know how they do how they do it, look at the back cover. And your heart will yes. fall in your hand. Oh, my God. I was like, yep. and then I know she, she did it. Why does she feel that she has to believe, too? Because, after all, she was very good at it. And if you look at the front cover, you get even more nervous. And you see more. Yes. You actually see martyrs there. Yep. Well, um, if you have read the Greek myth about Theseus and the, the Minotaur. A long the, time ago. The central thing is that Theseus, uh, the Athens lost the war to to Minos. That's why it's Minoan, you know. Uh, mm. The theory is that people don't know if it's a name or a title, but anyway, they call it Minoan because of him. And he, he required a tribute of seven young girls and seven young boys to come and uh, in this in this in the uh, myth to be devoured by the Minotaur, mm. and so Theseus joins the tribute, and they go to Crete, and then Ariadne, the king's daughter, falls in love with him and gives him a string and helps him out of the labyrinth, and he kills the Minotaur. They the thought theory is that these tributes, these young men and women were based on fact and that teams of young women and men, you know, Martis's age basically, jumped the bull, were required to jump the bull, a charging bull, and that was part of both a sport and a religious rite. So, you know, like I said, they're the, the uh, rock stars of the age, so Martis very much wants to wants to do this, even though it's very dangerous, and she sees some of these uh, kids, basically, are killed, and Tinos himself has a scar from where he was hit by the bull's horn. So it's extremely dangerous. But this is part of their culture, and if you look at statuary, murals, frescoes, everything, you will see representations of that bull leaping on all of them. What happens if they don't want to do it, though? Well, well they actually, don't they care they, if they can't do it? They're going to get killed. Do they care? Well, the 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 thing is that Martis volunteers, and a lot of the, yeah. the kids have volunteered. Now, the way I am foreseeing this is eventually a lot of your young people aren't going to want to do anything that dangerous. So in the next book, in On the Horns of Death, we see mm. a pirate who's been captured, and he has a choice of execution or becoming a bull dancer. And he joins the team, even though he's terrified of the bull. Because and because my thought was, I can see that if this is really important to them and you don't have your own kids wanting to sign up anymore or the parents wanting them to sign up, mm-hmm. you have to get the kids from somewhere. So then you have your tributes or you have volunteers from that are captives. That's scary. So we yeah. have her father. We have her father. Hmm. And how did you allow martyrs to piece it all together? And how would what she learned change her family? Well, um, Nuya, uh, a- after Saurus mm. and Kabya and Nuya return, uh, Saurus and Kabya are imprisoned, and Nuya uh, is imprisoned in one of the bullpens, and uh, they are all going to be executed, including Nuya. So, of course, obviously, Bayes doesn't want... Uh, his daughter to be executed, so he arranges an escape. I won't go into the details on that. And um, so Martis is still still looking, but it's actually her mother who helps her find mm. the clue. Uh, Arge's wedding clothes, she gives Arge's wedding clothes to one of the professional mourners who could never, whose daughter is going to get married and who could never afford 
something that was dyed in that royal purple, which was a very expensive dye and continued mm. to be an expensive dye. That's where the whole thing about royal purple comes from is that dye. So, uh, and then the daughter of the mourner dies, and Nefeli figures out that underneath that royal purple, it was dyed with arsenic. And if you wear it, mm. the arsenic soaks into your skin and over a, a short period of time will kill you. So now they know how Arch was murdered by this stress, and that that is what helps smartest start putting it together. Purple is my favorite color. You just made me worry about putting on my new purple glasses inside. <laughs> well, the purple, the purple was toxic i do too but it was mm. you because it's a it can be a nice dark color it was used to cover the tre- mm. other treated cloth the cloth that was treated with uh, the poisonous dye that is cool i have to be careful though so how did you create the twists and the surprises at the end and why does the priestess sign over life and death reign over life and death well you have to remember that to a large degree, this is a theocracy, and um, the high priestess is the head of this this religion. So she is the one who would obviously make uh, a lot of the decisions about anything having to do with religion or um, with a, a lot of these very serious crimes. So she That's she good. is the instead of a king, you have a priest priestess who is who is basically the head. Um, and what the murderer did is uh, is considered blasphemous. I mean the the murderer did used some sacred objects to mm-hmm. to commit the murder and to try to do other murders and. So the high priestess is uh, called into this, and she, she, of course, is the only one who can say Saurus is pardoned. She's the only one who can give him that pardon. So she's the one who has to be the the lawgiver. She has to be convinced, too. So where does Modest wind up, and what about her family? Well, uh, I mean... I tried to do kind of a bittersweet ending. Yeah. Martis achieves her goal of becoming a bull dancer. And, of course, in the second one, uh, On the Horns of Death, she is a bull dancer. She is part of that team. Um, but along the way, Bias and Nuya have fled, so she doesn't have her sister anymore. Um, Arj is dead. So basically, her family is much more limited now. So mm. uh, she found out Arj's murder, but there were a lot of uh, things that happened along the way. Um, so, and I think, you know, in my own beliefs, I think that would happen. I don't think that even mm. if you find justice, it's always an unmitigated success. I think there's always ripples that affect other people. Oh, I agree with that. There's a lot of injustices around and a lot of people that are believed that, oh, I, I did this, but they really didn't. Yeah. Now, the, the, on page 213, you created a very interesting couple of lines. How come you included that? Well, what were the couple of lines? I don't want to um, say what it is. It says okay. uh, something about Argus. Um. Well, you know, the thing is, one of the things that we haven't talked about at all is yes. Martis also wants to be a, a poet. So yes. she, as she goes through, she's um, uh, making up poetry. Um, and, again, this was a little bit of a struggle because I tried to make, make there a, an evolution. And, you know, as she goes through this book and then into the second, her poetry improves. But also, you have to realize that uh, everybody, you know, were, had spells and 
magic sayings and all of that uh, that they would say to try to placate the god, to make a prayer, mm. to keep uh, a demon at bay. Um, so um, I tried to, you know, I read a lot of uh, Greek poetry and everything to try to get a sense of the, the way it's scanned. Um, but, you know, I can look at the book and I can look at page 213 to see what you are referring to. It says right here, it, they're talking about the poetry. At my emotions yes. took over, I lost the poetry. Now I just wanted to complete the story. Yes. And she talks about her poetry. So I said, yeah, the, the one thing I love to do is write poems and dedicate them to people. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten, I've gotten pretty good at that. <laughs> it's not my main skill, but I am. So where do you see her in the next one, as po- in poetry? Or is she going to be part of the a bull team? Well, she's going to be part of the bull team. And, of course, one of the things that she does is she goes to the graveyard and talks out to Arch and to her grandfather from outside the tomb. Because mm. for her, her family is still very present, even though they're dead. So she doesn't see them as dead. She sees them as spirits or something. So she goes and tells them, talks to them. And, of course, what she does at the end is she wraps up everything for Arj. And in the next one, of course, she's still trying to be uh, – she's a bull leaper. She's a part of the team. And she's rushing to get to uh, rehearsal and dis- and uh, discovers that nobody is ready for rehearsal because the bull that has been chosen to uh, be the select bull is running around his pen, huffing and kicking the, the the sides of his pen. And then when they investigate further, they find one of their team is dead inside the pen. And uh, they think at that point that he has been trampled by the bull. And she continues oh, thinking thinking about uh, becoming a poet. But she also realizes, she's starting to grow up and realizes being a bull leaper is a short-term profession. You can't do it when you're much older than 20. Mm. And uh, she doesn't want to go out on the road sleeping rough like the poets do and stopping place to place to declaim her poetry. So she has to find another way, and she doesn't want to be a weaver, so she has to find another way. So um, that's her her challenge in uh, on the horns of death as she uh, begins investigating a second and third and fourth murders. That's scary. So where can everybody find out about your books? And are you going to do another uh, another tour with Bosch Crime Partners in Crime? Probably I will do another tour. Uh, of course, my books are available in Barnes & Noble. They're mm-hmm. available on Amazon. You know, so they're available pretty much everywhere. And I imagine a lot of the public libraries have bought them, too. So, uh, you know, they're they're quite available. But I, I like to do the tours with Partners in Crime, and I always like to talk to you, Fran. I like to talk to you, too. This is interesting. Cause I, I like I'm sitting here saying... I'm 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 away. Sometimes I like get really quiet, <laughs> and I was just like, "What am I going to do next?" Because this your books are really interesting. So I hope I get the next one, whenever it comes out or before it comes out. And thank you so much, Eleanor. I really appreciate it. I really cheered up my whole day. I really needed that. Everyone, if you didn't read In the Shadow of the Bull, you're missing out on a lot. A great time period and everybody. Everybody have a great day. It's beautiful outside. And bye.